0: You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Aaron. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Okay, I'm just telling you now, if I cry, just go with it. I can't help it. I'm crying all the time right now. Uh, Grab your Bibles uh, and turn them to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, this morning, we're going to begin a, not begin, we're going to continue a discussion we started last week about No Plan B. And we believe, I believe, that our church is being invited by the Lord into a place where it's only about Him. Where we're all in, and every alternative Every way out, every um, every plan B in our life is removed. Where the only option is Jesus. The only option is Jesus. And I got good news for you. When he is your only option, you're in a great place because he is the best option. You don't need a plan B when you have Jesus. You don't need an alternative when you have Jesus. He is the joy. He is literally joy. That's who he is. He is peace. He doesn't have peace. He is peace. He is hope. He is life itself. And so when you are going through life and you're facing different obstacles and challenges and issues, whether it's in your marriage, in your children, in your finances, whatever it be, the plan A and only option is Jesus. He is the solution. And in this this chapter, chapter 19, verse 19, we read about where Elijah is transferring his anointing over to Elisha. Elijah was a prophet for the Lord, and he's passing on that, that mantle, if you will, to Elisha. And if you'll follow along with me, it says in verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Japheth. I don't even know how to say it. I say it differently every time. Just, just be okay with it, all right? I don't know. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He left everything and ran because he heard the call of God in his life. Many of you have left everything and ran after Jesus. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So here's this interesting story uh, where Elisha is the son of a business owner. This, these 12 yoke of oxen that are out in the field, that's part of his inheritance. That's his future. He knows he's going to have wealth and money in the future because of these oxen. And he's out there working. He's not lazy. He's being diligent with the business God has given him. And as he's out there plowing, all of a sudden Elijah comes, who's the prophet of the Lord... And he throws his cloak upon him. And Elisha knows what has just happened. In that culture, that was significant. And so he leaves it behind and runs to Elijah. But he realizes something. He realizes that in order for me to truly follow you to where I know I need to go, I must do something first. I must go back and take my oxen take my plowing equipment and I must slaughter them and destroy them. Why is this significant? Because Elisha knew, as many of us know, when we follow Jesus, it is not always roses and easy and not without challenges, not without dying to self, not without learning and growing, not without faith. There are various moments along our journey with the Lord where we realize this is getting uncomfortable. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And Elisha knew if I don't kill my alternative, as I'm following the Lord, it is highly likely that I will give up, and go back to the easy road. I'll go back to the way where things were, where I felt comfortable. I felt, I felt good. I had a great future. I was going to make money. But he knew I have to slaughter that. And not only did he slaughter, he gave it away. He didn't receive money from it. There was a complete closing off of that chapter in his life because he knew if I pursue Elijah, If I pursue the Lord, I can't have a plan B in my life. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you can put that up there. I think I have that verse. It's Matthew 16. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You must deny yourself. If you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Here is Elisha. And he denies himself what feels comfortable, what is the easy way. It would have been much easier for Elisha to leave the oxen and the plowing equipment there just in case this didn't work out. Is anybody here feeling like the Lord is calling you into a place where you've never been before? Let me ask again. Is there anybody here who is feeling like the Lord is calling you into a place where you've never been before? A place of faith a place of risk, a, faith of, a place of obedience. The Lord is calling me into a place that I've never been. And when he calls you into that place, you will be met with an option. Do I continue or do I go back to familiar? Do I go back to comfort? Do I go back to what I know? And Jesus is saying, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. You must kill your flesh which is what many of us are doing right now as we're fasting. You must kill your flesh, take up your cross, and follow me. See, Jesus did not die on the cross to create more converts. He died on the cross to create disciples. How could you say that? Because he says, this is the great commission to go into all the world and to create converts. That's not what he says. He says, go into all the world and create disciples. Disciples you and i are called to be a disciple what is a disciple if you want to be my disciple you will take up your cross you will deny yourself and you will follow me following jesus requires denying of self requires removing every plan b in your life to where the only option you have remaining is jesus it's only always about jesus If your goal is to become successful in life, if your goal is to make great money, if your goal is to have all the nice things, you will always feel unsatisfied. You will always feel like you've never attained those goals. You always will. But if your goal is Jesus, you will always be left satisfied. If your goal is to be accepted and loved and have lots of friends, you will always be left unsatisfied. You can't control people. But if your goal is Jesus you will feel loved. You'll feel accepted. You will feel embraced. You'll never feel alone. If your goal as a believer is to get testimonies to be the best Christian you know where everybody listens to you. You have all the great words to say. You will always feel unsatisfied because trust me we will want to hear it. But if your goal is Jesus you will realize how people want to hear what you have to say because all you care about is him. You don't care about the affirmation of man because you have the affirmation of God. I remember back in my teenage years, I, maybe 15, 16 years old. I started getting into liking buying new clothes, buying nice stuff. And I remember the Lord came to me and he was like, I want you to take all your favorite clothes and I want you to give them away immediately I was like I bind you devil in the name of Jesus how dare you this is from the Lord God wants me to look good so I can get married the girl's gotta like me somehow and over a couple of days I kept hearing the same thing you need to take all your nice clothes and you need to give them away and eventually I took all my clothes all the ones that I held dear to my heart and I gave them away couple years later when I was about 18 the Lord came to me and said Aaron I want you to give your car and you better believe I was trying to rebuke the devil and like a couple weeks ago I remember going to my dad and being like dad I gotta I gotta give away my car and he's like bro you sure and I went and I gave away my car fully believing I was gonna get a new car God was going to, the next morning, I think I've told this story before, I literally believed a Hummer was going to be parked in my driveway with a boat, the keys on the, on the dashboard with a note from Jesus saying, thank you, here you go. And you'll be shocked to learn there was no Hummer and no boat. It was empty. What was sitting there was my parents' old minivan waiting for me to drive for the next couple of years. Last year, the Lord spoke to me in a dream and he said, I want you to create a nonprofit." profit and I want, you to take, I want you to take the gospel to unreached places in the world. And my wife and I had been beginning to save to build a home on property. And he said, I want to take all that money that you've been saving. And I want you to put it in that nonprofit as the seed for what God wants to do. And not only that, but every year I want you to give the same amount. Now, my wife was for that the moment she heard it. But I'm like, God, you better confirm that word. And maybe you're like, well, that's not big of a deal. Then you give your money away. You go outside right now, take your keys and give it to somebody. It costs me something. But I realized that nothing compared to Jesus. Walking in obedience to him, everything paled in comparison. Clothes, a car, money. But to walk in obedience to my king, nothing compared. Nothing compared to simply loving Jesus. If you want to be a disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. That is what Christianity is about. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. In this story, many of us know is a, is, is a story about three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you've probably all seen it on the the board in in Sunday school. But if you haven't, let me detail it for you. There was these three boys who were taken slaves out of Israel, went to Babylon, and King Nebuchadnezzar trained them to rise up the ranks so that they could help lead his country, his nation. And sometime later, King Nebuchadnezzar built this large idol, And he called all the people of Babylon and said, when I, when the music plays, you will bow down and worship this idol. So everybody gathers around that idol and the music begins to play. And all of a sudden, everybody bows down, but three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you're part of my generation, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Come on, any VeggieTale fans in the house? Come on, Rack, Shack, and Benny. And it's got to be, it's the Daniel Fest. There's vegetables in the Bible. And so the king calls these three boys to him and he gives them another chance because he likes these guys. And he says, okay, I'll give you one more chance. When that music plays, you must bow down or I will throw you into the fiery furnace. Now listen to this. They're met with one option. Bow down or go to the furnace and die and be burned to death. And this is their response to him. They say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not intend or we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But notice this. But even if he does not, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know this, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. There is something that three, these three men possessed in their life where they said, even if God doesn't come through, we will not compromise. We will not quit. We will stay steadfast and focused on Jesus. Imagine a life where you said even if God doesn't, even if he doesn't heal me, even if he doesn't bring financial freedom to my life, even if my children don't return, even if I don't get the word I've been waiting for, even if I don't feel this, even if those people say this about me, I still won't bow down to fear. I still won't bow down to doubt. Even if God doesn't You can't control God. You can't do it. Alex's testimony that he just shared—he did not fast to manipulate the Lord. He didn't fast to strong arm because it's a wasted effort. You can't do it. He fasted to know Jesus. You can't control him, even if God doesn't. I will not compromise. Picture for your, picture right now in your mind a lifestyle where you would live, where you had that level of faith. Imagine what you would do differently. Imagine how you'd speak to people. Imagine how you'd live at work. Imagine how you'd communicate to people in the grocery store, at the bank, the gas station. Imagine how you'd treat your kids, your spouse, No compromise, only Jesus. You wanna know why they could stand there and say that to Nebuchadnezzar? Because they had no other option. They had no plan B whatsoever. It was only Jesus. I shared this last week in one of the services, but my wife and I, we lost our baby boy about three years ago. We were in the hospital and my wife was recovering and our son they, they would take him and put him in the refrigerator at night and bring him out into our room during the day. And for three days we were in the hospital with our dead baby and we began to pray and intercede for life to come into that boy. Because my Bible says that we're called to raise the dead and I believe it. And so we'd blast music. I'm sure the whole, whole floor of the hospital heard our music blaring, heard us praying and asking for life to come to that boy. And I'll tell you, I have never had more faith in my life. I had more faith in that moment for a dead baby to be raised than I have sometimes for praying for a common cold. Why? Why did I have more faith in that moment than we do when our, my child, who has a stomach issue right now, comes to me and says, Daddy, my tummy hurts, and I pray for it. I don't have as much faith for that as I did for my son to be raised from the dead. Why is that? there was no other option. The doctors looked at us and said, your baby's dead. There's nothing we can do. There was no hope. The only way we were walking out of that hospital room is if God came in the situation and brought my baby back to life. I had no other plan B. That faith, that's, that solo focus on Jesus is how we're called to live every day. Where there's no other option but simply Jesus. Now, you might say, well, pastor, that's great for you. You work at the church. I don't. I don't work here. I have a job. Thankfully, we have a pastoral team. I have an investment firm, and I work there every day, Monday through Friday. And God's calling me to treat my company as a place where the presence of God is real every day. I don't care whether it's my largest client. When you come into that room and we sit down and we communicate, you're going to experience Jesus. So you might say, well how do I apply that? Well you pray and ask God and then you step out in faith and you expect the miraculous to happen. Jesus is looking for people who will say everything is off the table. The only thing that remains is Jesus. The only thing that remains is Him. Following Jesus is costly. It will cost you something. Sometimes it'll be very expensive. And you might say, well, I thought this was free. The gift of salvation was free. Your salvation is free. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. He hung there and his blood covered your sins. And he doesn't ask you to change. He just says, come to me. And you repent and you accept Jesus into your life and you are born again and you receive salvation, which is a free gift from Jesus. And your life will be forever changed. The problem is so many people think that that is the end of the story. But Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to receive salvation and stay in one spot. He died on the cross for you to leave your dead man behind and for you to become a new creation and to follow him. To follow him. Not to stand there looking at the cross every day, thinking that this is it, but to say, no, I'm called to live like Jesus. The Bible says, how will you stand with confidence before the throne at the end of your days if you lived like Jesus? You're called to follow Him. It will cost you something. Salvation is free. There's no shortcut to following Jesus. Oftentimes as Christians in the fast. Many of us are like, oh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm done. Three days in, I'm done. Shortcut. I got all I needed. There ain't no shortcut, baby. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful at times. You're going to be in situations like Alex where it's painful. You're left confused and bewildered. Why would I be here? God, if you loved me, if I was really a son, if, I, if you were really my father, why would I be in this situation? Why would I be in this house? with? But This happened with my kids and this happening with my wife. Why would my finances look this way? If you really loved me, I won't ask for a show of hands because we've probably all been there and you might be there right now. He is not a magic genie. That when you accept Jesus into your life, your life gets better. It's a journey. It's a process. There's challenges. There's difficulties along the way. But He wants you to know that He will never leave you, nor forsake you. And He invites you on a process to die to yourselves. Why? Because He wants you to see Him. He wants you to see his face, and he is so beautiful, and he is so wonderful. And if you just taste and see of his goodness, you realize everything pales in comparison to just knowing him. And you won't want to plant B anymore. You won't want it. Matthew 7:21 through 23. I won't read it for you. Write it down. But it's a story about how people, these people got, they died and they went before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a lot of times we don't talk about in church. Jesus is not only your friend, he's the judge. And you will stand before him. And these people stood before him. And they said, Jesus, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. We were great people. We did awesome things. We attended church every week. I even spoke from the microphone one time. I lifted my hands during worship. I was a great husband and a great wife. People we would celebrate. People we would honor. And pat on the back. And he said, depart from me. For I never knew you. Because it's not simply about doing things. It's not simply about activity. It's simply about knowing Jesus. Jesus. And you can go your entire life and never know him. Never see him. You could read the Bible from back to front and never know Jesus. Being a disciple, following him is about learning how to fall in love with Jesus. Basking in the beauty. You're the bridegroom. Sorry, you're the bride. He's the bridegroom. It's a marriage. It's a relationship. There are three people living inside of each of us. The person who we think we are, the person that everybody else thinks we are, and the person that God knows we are. It's three people. God sees through everything that you're going through, every mask you put on. And unless we're desperate for victory, we try to make it really easy on ourselves and really hard on everybody else. Self-love self. And what we try to do is hide ourselves from ourselves, lest the thought of ourselves scares ourselves. That's a lot of ourselves. We try to hide ourselves from ourselves, lest the thought and the sight of ourselves freaks us out. And we'll name sin something else. This is what, this is what we do. We'll say, well, that person has a terrible temper. Mine is just righteous indignation. She's touchy. My irritability is just a case of nerves. He is selfish. I'm just expanding my business. He is stubborn. Brother, I have conviction. She's proud. I just have superior taste. There's more cover-up going on in church on believers than on a high school prom night. There's more masks being worn on a Sunday morning than on Halloween, baby. Because all of us are trying to do is we're covering up all of our sin. Covering up all of our issues. Trying to hide it from everybody. You may hide it from yourself. You may hide it from everybody sitting next to you. You ain't hiding it from the Lord. He sees right through it. And he's looking for people who will humble themselves, take off their masks, remove the cover-up, and say, here I am. Me in my mess, me with my problems, with my pain, with my frustrations, and my doubt, and my fear, my isolation. Who will just humble themselves and come to the Lord and say, God, here I am. I'm not going to try to fix it on my own because I have no plan B. It's only you, Jesus. It's only you tell you a story there was a man who had a huge house this is a parable by the way because Jesus spoke in parables he had a big house and he was late at night and he heard a knock on the door he went to the door opened the door and there was Jesus standing there he's like Jesus welcome, come into my house I have a meal I'd love to invite you in prepares a meal for him jesus eats the meal and the man's like this is amazing jesus would you like to stay would you like to be my friend i'll I'll, I'll put you up like i got a special room just for you and jesus like i'd love to stay so he takes jesus up to his room and jesus goes in the bedroom gets on the bed and falls asleep later that night the man hears another knock on the door goes to the door opens it up there's the devil And the man's like, hey, I don't want you in my house. I have Jesus here. And he begins to shut the door. And all of a sudden, the devil puts his toe in the door. And the man tries to close it. And the devil sticks his knee in. Then he gets his elbow in and he throws the door open. And the rest of the night, he terrorizes the guy. The next morning, Jesus comes downstairs. And the guy's just there. He's exhausted. He's like, Jesus, where were you last night? The devil came into my house and he just ruined everything. He destroyed everything. Where were you? And Jesus said, there's 10 rooms in this house. And you only gave me one. The man said, fine. I'll give you five rooms. You're going have five rooms. It's 50-50. So Jesus goes up into his five rooms. Later that night, hears a knock on the door. Opens the door. There's the devil. The devil throws open the door and just terrorizes the guy for the rest of the night. Jesus comes down the next morning. The guy says, Jesus, happen again. Where were you? And Jesus said, I, I only had five out of 10 rooms. The guy's like, fine. I'm, I got the, same, got the answer. I'm going to give you nine rooms. I only need one. I need the room that I sleep in. That's just mine. And you can have everything else. You're the majority. So the guy goes up in his room. I lay to bed. Jesus goes to his room. And the guy's laying there, can't sleep because he knows what he's going to probably hear. And he hears the knock, goes down, devil flings open the door. And again, terrorizes the guy for the rest of the night. Jesus comes down the next morning and the guy's just, he's exhausted. He's ready to give up. He's like, Jesus, when I asked you into my home, I thought that meant something. I thought that meant you were going to protect me. I thought that meant that you were going to remove the devil from my life. And Jesus said, this isn't my house, it's yours still. And the man said, what do I need to do? And he said, if you give me this house, I'll let you live in it. I'll let you stay here. So the man took his keychain, handed it to the Lord, and said, fine. You take Take the whole thing, I don't even care. He just went to go lay on the couch. Now the man's just scared. He's just freaked out, he's exhausted. Three nights in a row getting beat up. Here's a knock at the door. He's trembling. His knees are shaking. Hesitantly, he opens the door, and there standing on the other side is the devil again. All of a sudden, the guy feels a tap on his shoulder, and there's Jesus. And he says, I got this one. The man steps aside. Jesus walks in. The devil sees Jesus, and he's like, looks at Jesus. He looks at the number on the house, looks at Jesus, looks at the number, and says, you weren't here last night. And Jesus says, yeah, but this is my house now. And you will not stay. And he slams the door in the devil's face. For many of you in this room, you have given the Lord one room, half, nine, 99%. And you're sitting there puzzled and wondering, why? Why this? Why that? Why not here? Why not there? And the Lord wants to tell you it's because you haven't given it all. You haven't laid it all on the altar. You've retained your plan b's in your life because they're comfortable. They're easy. You want to retain control. You cannot retain control when you surrender everything to Jesus. And he's looking for people who will finally surrender the entire deed of your life and say, I will give you everything. Some of you may be sitting there and saying, well, I've gone all in. Really? Because I'm realizing that it's a daily offering to the Lord. It is a daily surrender. Right, Jeremy? Coming before Jesus and saying, God, I know I gave you everything yesterday, but I'm going to give you everything again. Because every day the devil comes knocking on my door to say, Do you own 90 or do you own 100? Because if you own 90, I'm coming in and destroying your life. But if you own 100, if you've given him 100, he has no place. There's some of you here who you've lived the cycle of giving God just enough to feel comfortable. You've tithed or you've attended church. You've been a good person. You've done just enough so that you get by and feel good. Jesus is looking for people who will surrender it all. Who will remove every plan B. Some of you have been carrying your oxen and your plowing equipment with you for years. If it doesn't work out, I have this as an option. It's time to slaughter the oxen. It's time to surrender and burn the plowing equipment. Will you actually do it? Will you actually die to yourself and put yourself on that altar and say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. And if that's you here today, I want to ask you just to stand. If you want to surrender everything to Jesus and go all in and remove every plan B in your life, I just want you to stand. And now what I want to ask you to do is I want to ask you to come forward as a Symbol of laying it at the altar. You're not coming forward to me. You're coming forward to lay it at the altar and say, God, I'm going to kill this oxen. I'm going to slaughter this plowing equipment and burn it where the only option I have left is you. Michael, if you could just turn up Tash and turn on our microphone. I'm going to give one more moment because I know that there's more people here that need to come and to lay it at the altar. If that's you, do not hesitate. If you need to respond and say, God, I'm tired of giving you just enough. I'm tired of giving you just a couple of rooms in my house. I want to surrender everything to you. If that's you, don't waste another minute. Come forward right now, right now the only option in your life should be jesus he is enough and let me read who you're coming to as you're here at the altar as you're surrendering to jesus i want you to get real with him I want you to get specific. There's areas in your life that you've been holding on to. Many of you are coming forward, and there is fear that you've brought with you your entire life, fear of what people say about you, fear of what man thinks about you, trying to live up to expectation, trying to perform, trying to look good, trying to uh, make amends for wrongs you've done. If you've been carrying fear with you, I just want you to surrender it to Jesus right now. Get specific with him. I want to read you who Jesus is. Jesus is the Lamb of God. John 1, 29. The next day... The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the Lamb. His blood, his sacrifice paved the way for you. He is the light of the world. John eight twelve. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me and becomes a disciple will never walk in darkness. You want to know how to find freedom in your life? Follow Jesus because his light dispels darkness. Lion of the tribe of Judah. Revelations 5, 5. Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. He has conquered. He is the Lord of all. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. He is our hope. 1 Timothy 1.1. Jesus Christ, our hope. He is peace. Ephesians 2.14. For he himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups one. And has destroyed the barrier. He is the redeemer. Job 19.25. And as for me, I know that my redeemer lives. This is who you're coming towards. This is who you're surrendering to. He is the Lamb of God and the Lion at the same time. He is the beginning and the end at the same time. He is everything you need in your life. He is the answer to every problem. The solution to every issue is simply Jesus. Simply Jesus. For the next three minutes, Tasha is just going to sing. And I want you here, if you came forward, the rest of you, if you're in your seats, if you wouldn't mind just standing with me. We're almost done. If you came forward, I want you to begin to repent before the Lord. And I want you to take those oxen and that plowing equipment, and I want you to burn them. Never again to return to them. Every back door, every plan B, every option in your life today, it's only, only Jesus. It will only be Him. I choose to live my life, whether at work or at home, simply to glorify Jesus. I choose to use my finances simply to glorify Jesus. I choose in my family to simply glorify Jesus. My television, my phone will glorify Jesus. The words that come out of my mouth will glorify Jesus. It will only be about Him and anything else. I find satisfaction in or peace in that's greater than Him. I've got to get rid of it. Let's sing. Let's worship. Everything and nothing less. I give you everything and nothing less. Forever, everything and nothing less. My life is yours, completely yours. Everything, oh, and nothing I give you everything and nothing come on give it to him give it to him lay it on the altar this morning surrender it to the Lord every doubt if you have shame or condemnation surrender it to Jesus right now past guilt You've been carrying failures and decisions you made. Lay at the altar. Lay at the altar. Late at the altar. At the altar. At the altar. Surrender it. Give we give it to you, Jesus. Everything and nothing less forever. Everything and nothing less. My life is yours, completely yours. I surrender I surrender it all Father, I ask for faith to be deposited in this room Faith, Jesus Faith to leave it behind Faith to fully surrender Faith to give you all Faith, Jesus Faith, 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 faith. Jesus is enough Jesus is enough He is enough. He is enough. If you didn't come forward and you're wondering what the heck are they giving up and why, because we've begun to realize that what he has in return for our sacrifice is so much greater than what we think we're giving up. What we're laying at the altar is insignificant, pales in comparison to what God wants to give you. So God, we receive all. We receive it, God, what you designed for us. The faith, the lifestyle you designed us to live. God, we want to become real disciples today. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow. We follow you, Jesus. We leave every plan B behind. We destroy the the plowing equipment. We slaughter the oxen. We give it away. Where all we have left is you, Jesus. It's only about you, Jesus. It's only about you, Jesus. If you're fasting during this season, I want to remind you that this fast is an aspect of destroying your plan Bs. It is part of the process where you are denying yourself. Less of me, God, and more of you. Less of me, less of what I want and more of what you want. Jesus, if you wouldn't mind, just look at me real quick if you came forward. Jesus is less interested in a response to an altar and he's more interested in will you pursue him when no one's watching. This is but a baby step. And I'm so proud of you for taking it, but it is simply a baby step. What Jesus is looking for is will you meet with him in the morning? Will you change your lifestyle where it's only about him? Will you be like Alex and say, you know what? I'm that desperate. I'll do whatever it takes. I'm not going to just fast 21 days, but I'm going to fast different increments throughout the year, whatever it looks like. There's no formula. So great job, but don't don't forget that this is just but a moment. The real journey continues when you leave this church. Amen.